Praise God. Praise God. You can remain standing for a moment if you would. I, uh, I want to start something tonight. Um, and it's going to be a little uh, choppy here the next couple of weeks. But I want to start something tonight. And um, I, I know I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, the only. Uh, if you all want to make your way back to your seats, we're about to, to teach. I, if you want to stay close and keep me company, that's fine too. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, and if you could turn me on the screen, please. I, I think many of the other uh, ministers here can uh, attest to, we, we've been taught, it's been communicated to us through the years when it comes to preaching and teaching that just because God's dealing with you, working with you on something doesn't mean it is for everybody. Uh, the flip side is, I don't know that any of us go through something nobody else has ever been through. <laughs> and most of the time, we aren't going through something that others aren't, somebody else isn't going through. So that being said, and I, I may, uh, may give a little more insight as we go along tonight and even in the next couple of weeks, I, I don't know about that, we'll, we'll see how transparent the Lord leads me to be, but uh, some of this is is out of things the Lord has been uh, working on me, helping me with, I guess, if I could say it that way. And so um, I, I believe at this point, the next couple of Thursday nights that I will be teaching, this is going to be along the lines. And so uh, for this, that, I don't know if this is the best uh, title. I'm not about to get into um, uh, some kind of psychological personality, whatever here by throwing that up there, but I do believe that there is an identity crisis. Now, I'm, not about to teach, I'm not about to teach on holiness and um, probably a couple other things that maybe you're going to jump to conclusions that that's where I'm going. But, but I think a lot of us have an identity crisis that has to get settled. Um, so, and if I get to the end of the t tonight, I'm not sure. That's better. I think I hear myself now um if i get to the end of the night and figure out this was just for me then we'll pick something else up next time but i don't think that's the case there's several things that uh, god is doing and several things that kind of coming together that i think tie together so i want to read a couple of verses to you and then you can be seated and we will get moving from there exodus chapter 3 verse number 9 this is Moses' encounter with God in the wilderness and says this, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? You're telling me what you're sending me to do, but who am I? And I know there's a lot of ways that you could interpret this, and there's a lot of ways you could apply the question. But Moses, Moses is saying, you know, you're telling me where to go, but before I go, I need to know who I am. You see, I think we spend a lot of time going before we really settle who we are. He said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I, God, that you're sending me? Father, I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence tonight. Join together with people of like precious faith, Lord, and first and foremost worship you and then open our hearts and spirits to you tonight, this first session as well as our second session tonight, for you to put into our hearts and lives those things that you see we have need of, that we might mature and grow in you and become everything it is you would have us to be. God, I pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts, that you would minister in this place, God. You know where each one of us are, what each one of us are dealing with, and I pray 
that you would allow this to be a rhema for every individual that's open to receive, that you would tailor your word to the need that we can hear what it is we have need of hearing tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Who am I? You want me to go, but I, I need to know who I am. Before I, I, I know what you're telling me to do, I know what you're telling me my purpose is, but I think what Moses is saying here is there's something more fundamental. There's something more fundamental than me just knowing what to do. I need to know who I am. Obviously, Moses had a, a, a variety of circumstances from his past. So there was lots of different things Moses could be perceiving himself to be. The Bible says, or Moses tells God in his encounter with God, when God says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, Moses tells God, you, you can't send me, God, I, I, I can't talk, i got a speech problem. I kind of sound like these sheep I've been hanging out with. But if you read in the book of Acts, if you read in the book of Acts, you'll find where it says that Moses was a good speaker. I'm paraphrasing. But you will find where Moses didn't always have this speech impediment. So apparently God took Moses out of Egypt for a while to get Egypt out of Moses before God could do in Moses what he wanted him to do, and so now Moses says, God, you can't send me, I can't even talk. Who am I? I was born an Israelite, I was raised as a Hebrew, and now I'm a fugitive. Please tell me who I am. I'm getting a lot of blank stares. I don't know if, I'm, if you're silent and listening or if I'm way off. Tell me who I am, God. Who am I? There are, there are three words that I want you, and, and uh, I, I know a lot of you aren't about note-taking, but, and as always, you can have my, my notes, but I, I challenge you tonight, and I'll trust that if you get your smartphone out, you won't be on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, I know some of you would never imagine that, but it's interesting to not be in service and see people liking and posting pictures I really, I believe, I really believe God wants to, to do something in us here over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to stop hedging what I'm saying and just say it. How about that? So I, I, there's a couple of words here that I think we may, we, 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 you may hear some that, that I want to connect here together tonight, at least as sort of, I don't know, tonight I guess is the appetizer, and hopefully you like the appetizer and you'll come back for some entrees, some more courses here in a couple of weeks. So, the first word I want you to, I, I want you to see here, and I, I've used a little triangle to kind of, you know, get, I want you to get sort of a mental picture here of, of, of these and, and the sequence I'm giving them to you. So, the first word is vision. Somebody touch your neighbor and say vision. The next word is purpose. Vision, purpose, and then thirdly, identity. I, I didn't, I, let me just, just in case you, you want to know, none of this tonight is coming out of a book. I didn't get this online. I'm sharing to you what, what stuff God is talking to me about, okay? So just, I'm not up here again trying to give you some kind of psychological whatever here tonight. So vision, purpose, and identity. Vision, purpose, and identity. My purpose comes from my place in the vision. Vision's at the top of that triangle, right? My purpose comes from my place in the vision. My identity comes from my purpose. I'll say that again. My purpose comes from my place in the vision. 
My purpose is, what do I do to contribute to the vision? Whether that's an individual vision God has given you, and by vision I don't mean seeing a vision. I mean vision is in the context of, of where you're going, what God has called you to. Vision in the context of where He's called us as a church to go. So in that vision, I have a purpose. And then I have an identity. So my purpose comes from my place in the vision. My identity comes from my purpose. However, now I'm going to reverse it all on you. God establishes these in reverse order. We kind of approach them, vision, my purpose, that's who I am. But what God wants to do in our lives is establish our identity first. My identity must be settled first, then I can fulfill my purpose, which leads to the fulfillment of the vision. So rather than working backwards, here's a vision, let's just use the, the, the common one here at Antioch. Rather than working back, the vision is 100,000 people, and so what is my purpose? So simple example for me, my purpose at this point in time is senior pastor in that vision, and so that's what I can take my identity from. But that's not the way God wants us to do it. Because sometimes the application of our purpose changes. Kind of goes back to some of what Sister Strand taught. I don't know how many of you never did see that or hear that or weren't here. You owe it to yourself. One of the most, one of the power, one of many powerful points she made was the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet and she made the point that you can, you, can, you can draw an identity from the shoes you wear. If I walked in here with a, with a pair of high-top tennis shoes on, you, you could identify me as a, as a basketball player. If I walked in here uh, in, in a pair of uh, 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 cleats, depending on what the cleats were, I can draw my identity from that. And so, based on the shoes I'm wearing, my behavior changes. I had racquetball shoes on this morning. I acted a lot different then than I'm acting now. But the scripture doesn't say how beautiful are the shoes that cover the feet. It says how beautiful are the feet. Because my identity shouldn't come from things that change. Who I am has got to get settled. Because I'll say this again probably several times. My identity can't come from what I do. That's why we have trouble giving things up when God wants us to move on to something else. Because that became our identity. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I, I can't give up being a, 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 a Sunday school teacher or a care group leader to become that because that's what my identity is. No, at that point in time, that was a purpose God had for you. Your identity goes back before your purpose. The problem is if we don't get our identity settled, we lack confidence in all those other things. Here we go, first transparent point. <laughs> the shoot stayed in our home both weekends he was here to minister and we got in some conversations and he said to me, I'll let the cat out the back right out the beginning, you have an identity problem. I got a what? And I said to him, I said, you know, I, I've been dealing with stuff the past couple of months, and I, and I said, I got I to gotta get some answers because I, I, I'm, I'm not successful at not bringing it in my house. I know that y'all never take stuff home from work and all that, but... And I said, I, I, I said for the sake of my family, I got I to gotta get something settled here. And I, I said, I'm not succeeding leaving it at the door. He said, the reason you can't leave it at the door, because it's not just work and whatever, you're struggling with who you are. And you're struggling with that, whether it's somewhere out there, or it's sitting in this chair in your living room. So let me give you a couple of contextual things here. These... Vision, according to, I've got some things out of order here. Well, 
Vision, according to dictionary.com, is the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. So we've got vision. What, is the, what does Proverbs say? Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's not all there is to that verse, by the way. That's the part we always quote, but there's a more to that verse than just that. There's some stuff about keeping the law in there as well. Where there is no vision, where there is no knowledge of where I'm going, Jesus, Jesus Himself, did not endure the cross simply out of obligation and duty, responsibility. Hebrews tells us He endured it because of the joy, or if I could say it this way, the vision... These circumstances I'm in are temporary. This isn't what I'm ultimately called to be and called to do. I've seen somewhere out there that I'm going. Hebrews in the, in the, Hebrews chapter 11, they, they saw something afar off and they left behind home and family and comfort zones because of what they saw. There was a vision. So vision is the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. Purpose is the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used. You know what? I could possibly use this to drive a nail. I could. In fact, I probably could get a nail. You gave me a nail. I probably could drive a nail into this platform. Here's my question. What is this going to look like when I get done. It's going to be in a totally different shape more than likely than this. This, this top part, if I use that as the hammerhead, it's going to be all bented up. If I use some of this part of it, it's going to get scratched, probably even cracked. You see, you can use something for a purpose different than what it was created for. You can. But ma the majority of the time, when you use something for a purpose different than it was created for, it damages it. I've, I've used things that weren't tools as tools because I didn't have a tool handy. And I, I, I've... I've Several years ago, we were on a camp, church camping trip, and Angie had the kids at a, at a zoo, and I was off with my dad, several other guys, we were playing golf, and that was back when the Heelys were a big deal. Everybody know what Heelys are? Those are shoes with a wheel in the back of them. And one of my, I forget which kid, one of my three older ones, Nathaniel is either not born yet or was too young for him. It was either the girls or Timothy. One of them, the, the, the wheel got stuck. <laughs> and so someone <laughs> decided you might be able to wedge that wheel out with the car key. <laughs> it fit, but it didn't have the strength. And then someone got a call. Um, the key is broke. Some of you wonder why you always seem to be a little battered and bruised. Because you're functioning as something is not your primary purpose you were created for. Some of you are trying to live as dual worshipers. Oh my, why we get off on all how we get off on all this? You're a worshiper of God on Sunday and Thursday and maybe a care group night or a youth night, but then the rest of the time you're a worshiper of yourself. Living life the way you want to live it and never understanding why. You know, it, it amazes me. For for every for every person you can show me that has left church. And life is still overall could be classified as good. I guarantee you in about two seconds I can give you five that it's a disaster. I just, I just ran across somebody the other day.
backslid, doing their own deal. Life is a mess. And I walked away thinking, worked out real good for you, didn't it, this, this leaving God thing? Because you can function. You're a microphone. You can be a hammer. But there's going to be a lot of trouble that goes along with it. So purpose is the reason for which something exists. I'm trying to get to identity, but let me pause for a moment. How many, and I don't want a response, but how many of you are confident of the purpose God has for you? Beyond just broad terms. How many of you are called to the ministry? Oh, I think that's two times this year I got a trick question in. I didn't know how many of you are called to preach or called to pastor. I said, how many of you are called to ministry? Actually, none of you are called to ministry. You got the Holy Ghost. You're in the ministry. You got the Holy Ghost. You became a minister or a ministerette. Just a matter of what is it? what are you supposed to do? Maybe you're supposed to stand up here and do what I'm doing. Or maybe you're supposed to be one of those fine gentlemen in the back and help make sure there's order and things are done right and all that kind of... But you've got a place to minister. You have a purpose. Let me give you a couple of scriptures connected with these words. Vision, where you are going. Vision is where you're going. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2. The prophet says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. I like the message Bible. It says something along the lines of, Put it in big letters so if you're running by, you can read it. See, a lot of us, I bet you a bunch of you here tonight have some stuff you believe is a vision from God, but to get you to tell us or to tell somebody else, you're like, Well, I kind of think. We need to get some confidence. I have a vision from God. Even if I have a vision from God, maybe it's not time for the vision to be fulfilled, and maybe the circumstances are everything contrary to that vision. But if the vision came from God, He is faithful to do what He promised He would do. The Lord answered me, said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. I love it where you ride up and down Ritchie Highway and you see these people pay good money for these signs that it is an impossibility at 50 miles an hour to read them. I'm not talking about places where you get stopped at a traffic light. or stop. I'm talking it's in a, you know, a stretch where you don't stop and there's these signs with, you know. Make it big so it can be read. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. An appointed time. How many of you got a vision from God? I'm not going to bring the mic and ask you for it. So, I, and I'm not talking about vision in the context you saw a mental. I mean vision in, in a calling. However that came, maybe it came in a vision or a dream or an audible voice or an impression. How many of you got a vision from God? Whoa, we need to. The rest of you don't really. I'm man. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know why people backslide? One of the reasons, not the only reasons, because they got no vision. They don't know where they're going, what their place. Just getting to heaven and not going to hell doesn't last very long, folks. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I guess y'all got used to bishop on Thursday nights or something. Huh? We. Messed up by the pink shirt or something. I don't know. The vision is for an appointed time. Don't give up. Maybe some of you didn't raise your hand because you had a vision, but you've given up on it. And you gave up on it because you forgot the fact the vision is for an appointed time. And most of the time when God gives you a vision, He gives it to you because it's not time for it. It's so that when you start to go through all kinds of chaos and trouble and problems and everything's going against you, you have a vision that says, this is not going to last forever. It's temporary. Temporary may be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. 
temporary, maybe even a couple of years, but this is not permanent because I have a vision. David, if you will, had a vision. It came in the context or in the application of oil on his head that said, you're going to be king. So when you're running from Saul, David, and when you're hiding out in caves, and when he's got his army against you, you hang in there because you're going to be king. Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit. It's for an appointed time. You show up at the right place the wrong time, you don't get the results you want. If I tell you to meet me at a certain place at 5 p.m. tomorrow, and I'll give you $500 check, if you show up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, or if you come at 3 o'clock and leave before 5 o'clock, don't accuse me of being unfaithful if you weren't there at 5. Come a few minutes early, stay a few minutes late, but don't not be there at the appointed time and say, I wasn't true to my word. And we do that to God a lot of times. You gave me a vision, and you didn't do it when I thought you were going to do it. I'm sorry, but my my experience, personal as well as observing others, is God rarely tells you when with the what. Usually if there's a what, we came up, I mean, excuse me, if there's a when, W-H-E-N, we came up with it. And typically it's tomorrow. God speaks to you or sends somebody along to speak to you. There's going to be financial blessing. God's going to use you financially in a great way. Woo, bless God. You missed the rest of the, you missed the fine print. I just heard the. I've mentioned it before preaching. I've actually preached messages about it, but I just crack up. No offense, and if you're on some of it, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of you or those that use it, but it always, it's it's a bit humorous to me when you see a commercial uh, that's a 30-second commercial about some medicine, and and, and at least 15 seconds of it is all the possible side effects. And I saw one the other day that absolutely took the cake. I promise you, two-thirds of the whole commercial was all the possible side effects. And one of them was the possibility of involuntary muscle movement. And that's what I did when I heard that. Because in my mind, it takes care of this problem over here, but you might just spend the rest of your life with something you can't control. I have no idea why I just got off on all that. Where was I? Appointed time was where I was. I don't remember what that had to do with appointed time. So let's just read and see if we can jar the memory. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. It will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It's not t- You set the time. I set the time. God says, I'm going to do it, but I, I, there is an appointed time. Again, that, you know, that, well, we'll see you next, next year if the Lord tarries. The Lord ain't tarrying. We say He could come this year. He doesn't come. We say He's tarrying. No, it wasn't time yet. He knows the day. He knows the hour. If God's given you a vision for something and it hasn't happened yet, don't question the vision. It's just not time. Hang in there. The vision is for an appointed time. It will speak. Or what He's saying there is, it's going to come to pass. You're going to see it. Purpose is what we, is what you were created to do. John 18, 37. This is the Good News Translation. Pilate and Pilate asked him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. This is the purpose I was born for. I know why I'm here. The vision, I think you could say, the vision was to establish the church. And his purpose was this. That's what he had come to do. But that's, that wasn't his identity because his identity, our identity, is who we are. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Hello? Please, please don't miss this tonight. Please. 
Your identity is not what you do. It's who you are. According to dictionary.com, it is the state or fact of remaining the same one or ones as under varying aspects or conditions. Who you are is not a care group leader. It's not a elder of a congregation. It's not youth pastor. It's not, it, that's not who you are. That's your purpose. That's what you do to contribute to the vision. Who you are remains the same in varying aspects or conditions. But we have an identity crisis because we identify ourselves with what we do. I've pretty much come to the conclusion there are no transitions in life. I, I said, I, you didn't mishear me. There are no transitions in life. I have come to the conclusion life is a transition. <laughs> it's just one continual transition. Because there were some things I thought were transitions that were ending, and next thing I know, there's something else transitioning. It is the condition of being oneself or itself and not another. Well, there's a... David had to realize, you know what? I'm not a king or I'm not a soldier that wears the king's army and fights with a sword and a shield like everybody. That's not who I am. Oh, Jesus. You see, let me give you an inside secret to this tonight and the next couple of weeks, the Lord willing. I'm not just trying to help you as an individual tonight. I'm hoping you get help if you need it. And I hope I help me while I'm trying to help you or the Lord's trying to help you. But I'll tell you the vision or the bigger picture is we can never be who God's called us to be as a body if we don't get our individual identity settled. Because if we don't realize who we are individually, we are constantly in competition with each other. Because when my identity is tied to what I do, if you outdo me, that means my identity takes a fall. My worth, my value. If you got more on Sunday morning than I did and my identity is tied to that, then my worth changes. Oh, I know some of you don't want to say amen because you want us to think you're so spiritual and beyond all of that. That's all right. You're not an automaton or whatever, a robot or whatever. You're a human being. You may hide it well, but we all got a spot down in there that a button can get pushed. It's the sense of self, providing sameness and continuity in personality over time. The problem is when we don't get our identity settled, we're always looking for the next position. The next because we got to keep moving. Our identity is going to give us a good self-worth. That's why some people aren't willing to stay where God put them. They're constantly looking for a promotion. So Jesus knew what he had come to do. But what was his identity? Matthew 3:16. Jesus when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water and lo the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice came from heaven saying, Here's your identity, Jesus. You are my beloved son. That's who you are. There's stuff you're called to do. Now, we're, I'm, I, by the help of the Holy Ghost, we'll all get... I'm not just... Brother Wright, you mean this is all about telling me tonight I'm a son of God? No, that's not. Just using this example. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. And then he makes the next statement. In whom I am well pleased. At this point in Jesus' life, what was his resume of accomplishment? Anybody? What, did he, what, did he, what had he done? What miracles had he performed? Did he turn the water into wine before his baptism or was that after? Somebody, it's after. It's after. Because, I mean, this is, 
first public. So I, even somebody the other day said that was before, but it, this is the beginning. This is the starting point. And this voice comes from heaven. Please don't check out on me. Please. This voice comes from heaven. Jesus, all he's done is gotten baptized. The only other thing we know is he showed up the temple, hung out with the doctors and all them, and carried on coffee. But he hasn't turned in, he has turned water into wine. He hasn't opened any blind eyes, unstopped any deaf ears. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't talked to multitude. He hasn't fed fight. None of that. None of that. He hasn't been beaten. He hasn't hung on a cross. None of those things. This is the beginning. And at the very beginning, this voice says, this is my son and I'm well pleased. Wait a minute, what is there to be well pleased over? Because we know you got to do something. To be well pleased, you got to do something. And so we're constantly trying to please the Heavenly Father by what we do. You've heard it, most of you have heard it. Do you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No, but you have to have the Holy Ghost, and the only way you know to have the Holy Ghost is you speak in tongues. That's the only evidence we find in Scripture. Do I need to do stuff to please Him? Yes, but am I doing it to earn His approval? No. Oh, Jesus. This is, see, what He was doing was getting from the very beginning, let's get the identity issue settled. This is who you are. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. And the reason I need you to get settled right now that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased because if you don't get your identity settled and it gets connected to your performance, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Because in some days there's going to be a crowd that comes out to hear you. And other days all of them are going to get up and leave because they don't want to know what you got to say. And there's only going to be a few left. And that's not success. We've been called to grow and build a church, not run one off. There's going to be some that come and want to hear what you have to say and follow you. And others are going to come and ask you. And when you tell them what they need to hear, they're not going to like it. And they're going to walk away from you and reject you. And so if you don't get it settled from the beginning, you are my beloved son. I don't care what happens or doesn't happen. That's who you are. Oh, Jesus. Because, and I'm not getting into it tonight, I'll just whet your appetite. The next chapter, 17 is the last verse of chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus goes to the wilderness. I believe it's, it's Mark or Luke, I forget which one, I'm sorry, but one of them says, immediately. He was baptized and immediately he went into the wilderness. And what was the first thing that happened in the wilderness with Satan? Something was tested. I want to take a guess. It's up on the screen. The first thing that was tested was his identity. And the first way it was tested was, if you are, then do. If you are the Son of God, prove it by doing. And Jesus had to get it settled from the beginning. I will not be tempted to prove my identity by what I do because... Hold on, hold on. Because that was the beginning. The, that, that, was, that was entrance exam. Final exam was, if you are... The Son of God. Come down. If he hadn't gotten settled in the wilderness, I am who I am, not because of what I do, he'd have gotten to the cross and been tempted to prove who he was by showing what he could do. The 
problem is a bunch of us, and I said us, I didn't say you, I said us, and I mean us, by the grace of God, I've been making some progress the last couple of weeks, but I'm still saying us. Many of us are never, we, we struggle to get past that first point because we take the bait. I know how to whistle. Ask my family. Apparently lately I'm whistling louder than I ever whistled before. They say you have to be happy to whistle, so I guess I'm happy. may not look like it, but I must be. Anybody here doesn't believe I can whistle? Anybody here doesn't believe? Anybody want me to prove it? I'm not proving it. I don't need to. I know how to whistle. If I have to do it for you to believe I know how to do it, that's your problem, not mine. I know how to whistle. There's a lot more stubbornness where that came from. <laughs> I know how to whistle. I know, I, I'm a decent whistler. Maybe not as good as some of you, but I'm, right? You better say yes. <laughs> You'd be going to my mom's house tonight. Of course, you'd probably rather be there. Much more sweets and treats. And... I'm not proving. I've had people before. You know, yeah, show me. I'm not showing you. I know what I can do. Unfortunately, I'm not always that secure in all areas. So I get up behind a pulpit and try to prove to you I'm a preacher. And I know how to hear from God. And I know how to get a word from God. Rather than walking up there. I, I, I battle with it Sunday night. I preached for Denver. Brotherhood, the church he pastors, his father-in-law church, well known throughout this organization. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just telling you the fleshly battle I battle with. I got to get up there and I got to be me. And I got to be willing to accept if me's not good enough for them, that's not my problem. And if they want me to be somebody else, I haven't proven Saul's armor. All I know how to do is use a sling and some stones. Let me finish with this. I, 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 I shouldn't because this, this may not do for you what it did to me. So, so, so part of this problem is with our identity is the battle of our worth. And so we're constantly trying to prove who we are by what we do so we can have a value of ourselves. And so our worth is so continually and constantly and whatever connected to what we're doing and how well we do it. I know I'm not the only preacher in this place tonight that goes through this. I'm certain of that. And I don't think they'll leave me hanging but there are times I walk away from the pulpit, not with pride and arrogance, but with a degree of, of confidence that says, I, I, I did what God wanted me to do tonight. I delivered a message. I, I had a message. And there's a whole bunch of times. Dear God, did I, was that right? Was that on? And Did I get that right? Was I off? Did I miss it? Did I not pray enough? Did I, all those things. And the real reason I'm trying to figure that out is because I'm also trying to figure out, what does that say about me? But if I can get my worth established, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or not doing. It doesn't matter what my position or role is. My worth stays the same. Saturday evening. I think I was, I don't remember what I was doing. I was in the hotel room. And this thought came to me. A quarter is a quarter. The value of a quarter is the value of the quarter, no matter what. In my hand right now, this quarter is worth a quarter. In my pocket, this quarter is worth a quarter. Over on the ground, a quarter is a quarter. In my little container on my shelf at home that's full of change, the quarters in there are quarters. Doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing, their, its value remains the same. If I go to Dollar Tree tonight and use this to buy something, its value is the same. If I go to Goodwill tonight and buy something, its value is the same. 
if I go to Nordstrom tonight and use this as the little bit of change that's added on to an outrageous figure, I won't give you the details. I had a, I had a mishap with my clothes, my church clothes, this past weekend, and so I had to go buy um, a, a new outfit for church on Sunday night. And a and, and bunch of you folks from the South especially, I, I get so tired of you and Dillard's, I can't stand hearing about you and Dillard's. I hate it. Because the bottom line with Dillard's, Dillard's for, the, for us average folks is you got to be at Dillard's at sale time. So if you buy a suit, ladies may not know this, some of you guys may not know this, you go most places unless it's separate, you go buy a suit. I haven't taught on Thursday night in a month, so give me a couple more minutes. I know we got Antioch U, but we're going to get there. And you're not going to cut into their time either. We'll, we'll be all right, all right? So if you buy normal, if you buy just a suit off the rack that's not separate, the pants don't come him, so you got to get them him. So I need this. As of Saturday night, I needed it tomorrow night, and then on Sunday morning, I needed it tonight. And I walked into Dillard's. Because of all my southern folk friends, hoping I'd catch a sale. And I, the first jacket I saw that caught my eye that I, I, I kind of liked, I walked over and picked up the sleeve and caught the price, and it was $4.95. Not $4.95, $4.95.00. Whoa, I'm out of here. I went down to Penny's, I didn't see anything. I went down to Macy's, I didn't see anything. And I had an epiphany. This is a metropolitan city. There's got to be a K and G somewhere. And I got my phone out, got on my app, and thank you, there was a K and G. That it doesn't matter. Whether it's K&G, Dillard's, Macy's, Nordstrom, or one of those shops on Avenue of the Americas or whatever else in New York, it don't matter. I, I am such a non-in-the-know uh, person. I, I'll visit New York and see all these expensive stores I've never even heard the name of before. I'm like, I thought Polo and Ralph Lauren was it. <laughs> I mean, that was, my, that was the top of my pyramid. It doesn't matter where it gets spent. Its value remains the same. It doesn't matter where God is using you right now. That's not your worth. You may be on the shelf somewhere doing nothing right now. That doesn't change your worth. You may be the best preacher we got at Antioch right now. That doesn't increase your worth. I am who I am, and my worth is based on who I am, not what I do or I don't do, not how well I do it or I don't do it. I am who I am, and if I can get my identity settled in Him, then my worth gets connected to my identity in Him, and I'm not living a constant roller coaster. And again, Sister Trish, come please. Some of you are convinced. Some of you got, it seems, I don't, I've never said this publicly to my knowledge. I've said it a lot of times in private settings, leadership meetings, staff meetings. I don't think I've ever said it public. So I'm going to say it here tonight. It seems to be that through the years, the pinnacle of success at Antioch has become to become a congregational elder. And especially if you're a male, if you don't ever become that, then you've never arrived. And so some find their identity, which gets them in their purpose, connected to the vision. But when they don't get their identity settled, they become dissatisfied with that place. And I've got to move up a little higher. Because if I can get an elevation, my worth will change. No, get your identity settled, 
then it doesn't matter where God puts you. Doesn't matter if God sticks you in the pocket for a couple of months, couple of weeks, couple of days. Doesn't matter if you're getting spent or not spent. You realize I am who I am in Him. My worth, my value. Some of you, some of you, there's people sitting in here. Sister Glenn and I know is one. There's several others of you that I I'm, I know as well. Spent dec- literally decades involved in Sunday school and kids ministry. You reach a point you just can't physically do it anymore. My understanding, that's the beauty of grandparenting. You get some of the fun, you get tired, come get them. Here's the problem. Oh, Jesus, I got to quit. I re- man, I really got to quit. We reach these in, and I'm not trying to reteach what Sister Joe Strand just did a couple of months ago, but I do believe the Holy Ghost is trying to talk to us. So we get to the end of positions and roles and ministries, and God's ready to move us on, but we struggle to move on because our worth and our identity has become connected to the position rather than realizing it's my feet that are beautiful, not my shoes. And that is definitely a figurative statement. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. There is such great vision that you've given us as a body. Such great promises, not only with regards to a number, but what you've called us to be as a church and the impact that you've called us to have on this world. Great vision. And then, God, there are individuals in this place tonight that you've given them vision. Some, maybe it's not totally clear, but they've got a, they've got a grasp that there is a vision. They may not know exactly what it is, but there's... There's a grasp that there's a vision. Some maybe are fulfilling a purpose, but we've jumped beyond getting our identity settled and our confidence, our worth, how we value ourselves is constantly up and down. So I'm asking you tonight, I'm asking you, God, if what I feel for the next couple of weeks is from you and the direction we go, then I'm asking you, starting tonight, you would begin to help every one of us to settle who we are settle our identity and our worth and not fall into the temptation of the enemy to prove what we are by what we do but believe that our worth comes simply from who we are in you in the name of Jesus Christ in Jesus name praise God